like that. You want to try that. Hello, everybody, welcome to like this Friday flashback. edition of the Logan Blackman Sick Show. It is going to be a fun one today, and I will tell you exactly why in a few short seconds. But before we get into anything we want to talk about on today's show, make sure you're following the Logan Blackman Show on every single form of social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and, of course, Apple Podcasts and Spotify, which is the way you're listening to it right now. Make sure you're subscribed or following on all those forms of social media. Twitter is Logan underscore Blackman. Instagram is Blackman Logan. The show's Instagram account is The Logan Blackman Show 1. Facebook and YouTube, search The Logan Blackman Show. They should pop up. Make sure you subscribe to them. Watch a few videos. Do whatever. Click on a few posts, blog posts, whatever. Do what you need to do on that. And, of course, again, you're listening to the audio right now, so make sure you are following and or subscribed to the Apple Podcast and Spotify accounts. If you have an Android so you can't have Apple Podcasts, I'm sorry, but just make sure you have Spotify so you can subscribe and leave a rating out of five stars on Spotify. And if you have an iPhone or something of that nature, make sure you have Spotify and Apple Podcasts just so you can leave a rating out of five stars on the Logan Byman Show. Make sure you're following on both as well. I would greatly appreciate it. You can leave a description down below on why you feel the way you do, whether it's about one episode, a bunch of episodes, or the entire show in general. Leave a rating down below and tell me what you think. It could be a one-star rating. could be a five-star rating. I don't really care. As long as you leave a rating, that would leave an insane mark upon my heart. I would greatly appreciate it. If it's one-star, that means you cared enough to leave a rating. You feel so strongly about your opinion. Because people might not like something, but they're just not going to say anything about it. But this, you said it was so bad that you were willing to give a rating out of it, and I respect the hell out of you for that. So you know what? Good on you. But we're not here to talk about negative ratings today. Or maybe we are. Maybe we are. I, I, I don't know. It could be a negative week. I don't know. But Saturday. So for those of you who are unaware of what today is, today is Friday, August 26th. And if you are unaware of what tomorrow is, that is Saturday, August 27th. You know, usually Saturday follows Friday. But this, fr- this Saturday is different than normal Saturdays. You want to know why it's different than normal Saturdays? At least the Saturdays that we've been treated to since pretty much, I don't know, February, mid-January. You want to know what's different about this upcoming Saturday? There is college football. Yes, I'm aware there's been other forms of football going on during the summer and the spring. We had the USFL. We obviously have the Indoor Football League with the Barnstormers and teams like that. But no one cares as much about those as they do college football, especially here in the great state of Iowa. We are a college football state. Whether you're Iowa, Iowa State, you and I, Drake, William Penn, not Grandview fans, it's whatever. You're just excited for college football to be back. I love college football. Love it with all my heart. I was raised watching Iowa football games. My dad says when I was born, my grandpa Roger might as well had just thrown a Hawkeye jersey on me, gave me a Drew Tate jersey when I was little. But remember, I went to you and I. I went to William Penn and you and I, so I'm not allowed by by law, I'm not allowed by law to cheer for the Iowa Hawkeyes anymore. Forget the 22 and a half years of my life that I cheered for Iowa. I, I spent two and a half years of my life at UNI. Or 20 years. 20, it was 20 years of my life as a Hawkeye fan. I spent two and a half years of my life at UNI. Those two years rule out the entirety of my existence as a Hawkeye fan. Remember that. Remember that. If you did not go to the school, you are not allowed to be a fan of that team anymore. It doesn't matter if you grew up rooting for that team. You went to a school based on their athletic program. Not because they had a cool major that you wanted or had opportunities for you to work for ESPN and stuff like that. Doesn't matter. Your ties to the Hawkeye football program. Basketball, I don't care. I don't really care about that. And I cheer hardcore for UNI basketball and football, so I don't want to act like I'm not a big UNI supporter. 
or anything like that. I will watch every single UNI football game this year. I rarely missed a basketball game when I was up at UNI for my two and a half years I was there. Obviously didn't get to go one year because of COVID and stuff like that, shutting down everything, so I couldn't go. But the year before, when UNI was really, really good, the year they the COVID took out the NCAA tournament, when UNI was a bubble team, when they dominated the regular season of the Missouri Valley Conference, but then lost in the first round of the tournament to Drake. We were recording a show as that game was going on. Miserable show. The show lasted as long as the game did. I don't know if the show is on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. I think that might have... Uh, I don't know. I'm trying to remember when KULT introduced the podcasting form for the radio stage. I have my KULT shirt on, actually, right now. But I don't remember when they did that. But we were recording a show as that was going on. It was very hard. <laughs> it was very, very rough watch as we were doing the show. So, in, in a way... That, that took out the possibility of UNI Panthers fans being upset that the team did not make it because they didn't win the conference tournament. They won the conference regular season handily. They killed the preseason favorite by 40 points at the McLeod Center against Missouri State. Killed them. A.J. Green was on a whole nother level that season. He's playing with the Bucks now, so congratulations to A.J. Green. Not that A.J. Green, the other A.J. Green. Congratulations. Wide receiver, not that one. I don't know if A.J. Green, the wide receiver, is currently on a team right now, but... But I'm excited. College football is back. You and I is taking on Air Force in week one, and Iowa is taking on South Dakota State. So we got two tough opponents week one for my schools. The school I grew up with and the school I went to for two and a half years. So I will be tuning into both. I'm very intrigued to see how you and I defends the run game, the triple option game the Air Force runs so perfectly. Like, if you look at all the military schools, and we bring this up all the time, we're talking about how triple option is impossible to defend. It's impossible to scout. You're not going to cut the same. You're not going to be as fast. You're not going to be doing all of this. You're going to have a, you're, these spread option, spread option teams, triple option teams, usually don't have a speedster at quarterback. Like you and I does not really have a blazing speedster at quarterback. So I would expect the likes of Quan Hampton or Deion McShane to line up at quarterback for the Air Force game. To scout it. Like when the Bills played the Cardinals a few years ago, different situation but they didn't have quarterbacks like Kyler Murray that they could scout. So Isaiah McKenzie, wide receiver for the Bills, had to scout as Kyler Murray. So I'm very intrigued to see how UNI does it. But when you look at the, Air, the the military schools, Navy, Army, and Air Force, like Navy's been up, and they've been down. Army's been down, now they're up. Air Force has been pretty consistent over the past 20-so years. I know Navy and Army have a much larger history in regards to producing legendary players, look at Heisman Trophy winners. They've been ranked in the top five numerous times, those two schools. Air Force, not necessarily the same thing, but they're usually around, like, sitting between, like, six wins and ten wins every single season. Like, Navy, for most of my life when I was growing up, were a consistent nine to ten win team. Now they're struggling. Army was a consistent two to three win team, and now they're kind of sitting around the seven and five, nine and four, nine and three area. Eight and four, somewhere around those area. But Air Force is consistent. Consistently consistent. That's what you're kind of expecting from these military schools. But when you're competing Army and Navy, the big, one of the biggest rivalries in all of college football, if not the biggest rivalry in all college football, you're gonna, they're going to battle each other for recruits. Air Force is in a different part of the country than Army and Navy are. Army and Navy are on the East Coast. We're in Annapolis, Maryland, and uh, it's in New York. I can't remember exactly where the Army, the West Point campus is. Is it Uniondale? Is, is, Black, is Army... Hold on. 
Uh, United States military cat arm. Uh, come on. I'm trying to figure out how I want to type this. What, what would you call it? The Army University? That's not it. What is Army called? Is it Army University? Is that just what it's called? Army University? Hold on. We're trying to figure it out. I'm trying to figure it out. I'm trying to figure it out for you. United States military. Okay, so that's what it's called. 220 years ago it was founded. What? Okay. Did I not? <laughs> Where's West Point located? Uh, it's it's located in West Point, New York, Logan. That's where that's where it's located, West Point, New York. I don't know where Uniondale is, but I just that just felt right. That just <laughs> that felt right. Please tell me Uniondale is in Orange County. <laughs> I need I need to know where Uniondale is now, just so I know it wasn't like insanely far off. That just sounded right. That sounded really right. Oh, Uniondale is more on the the island. West Point is not. But you got Annapolis and West Point. Air Force is in Colorado. You're recruiting two different players there. You're not necessarily competing in the same regions as the other two military schools, so I guess that gives them somewhat of an advantage in regards to getting consistency. If that makes any sense, maybe not. Maybe I'm just making that up. I don't know. But it's going to be hard. Air Force is going to be a tough team to play against. I don't expect you and I to come up victorious in that game. I mean, it's a good FBS program running an offense that you and I never faces. It's going to be tough. You and I's offense is inconsistent. Hopefully they're improved. Because remember we talked about this a few weeks ago or a few months ago. You and I has a whole new offense that is made specifically for you and I, which is just, you, you know, how offenses work. Usually they're catered around the specific players in your offense. But, you know, this one's different for you and I, which is probably why your offense has been so up and down the past couple of years. In regards to Iowa, they're playing South Dakota State. Again, not this weekend, but it's just something to talk about. Iowa taking on South Dakota State. South Dakota State, a really good team. Another consistent program. South Dakota State's usually one of the best teams in FCS football. One of the top teams in the Missouri Valley Football Conference, and usually right behind North Dakota State. Right up there with you and I, top teams in the Missouri Valley Football Conference. South Dakota State, very talented team. That being said, I really don't see Iowa having too many problems. I know the offense is kind of up in the air in regards to the quarterback play and the offensive line, but the offensive line should be a lot better than what it was last year. Just mainly based off the fact that it can't be much worse than what it was last year, if that makes any sense. Like, you can't be worse, so you might as well. I know you lost Tyler Linderbaum. That's a big-time loss. First-round draft pick by the Ravens. Best center in college football, gone. That will hurt. But Sam Laporte is there. Johnson's expected to have a big year. you got nice running backs. I know Tyler Goodson's not there. But Gavin Williams is there to take the hold of the rock for the running backs. you got a talented group of players at Iowa. Now, Tyron Tracy and... Oh, crap. Charlie Charlie, Charlie Jones are gone. They're both at Purdue. At least I think I saw Charlie Jones was going to Purdue. I know Char- I know Tyrone Tracy is. They'll be fun. Purdue will be a fun team. I'm excited to see what Purdue does. Dark horse for the Big Ten West this year. Per- bold prediction. Purdue, dark horse, Big Ten West team. I don't know if that's a bold prediction. I think it's a bold prediction. Because usually it's Iowa, Wisconsin, Iowa and Wisconsin. Rarely stems out of those two teams. They had Northwestern a few years. You had North, Nebraska, you know, but Nebraska, pff, no one cares. They got Casey Thompson, a quarterback. But, again, Iowa, though they've had issues against these smaller-level teams in the past when they've had struggling offenses, like you saw when they lost to North Coast State. You saw when they lost to Central Michigan. You saw when they lost to Northern Illinois. You've seen them lose to Western Michigan. All teams that had question around the, the offense, well, time will tell. And South Dakota State's a pretty solid defensive unit. So, 
we'll have to see. Iowa, we already know what they are defensively. One of the best units in college football. Returning some very nice pieces from this from the past season that just had a really good season. But yeah, Iowa State had no issues. Who's Iowa State playing again? Iowa State, who are you playing? Who's Iowa State lining up with week one? Oh, Southeast Missouri State. Okay, yeah, Iowa State will have no problems. <laughs> I know Iowa State has been outscored in their opening day games since Matt Campbell's been in there. I know they're really, like, not good in their opening day of the season. Really remember when they lost to Louisiana. Not to say anything bad on that game, Louisiana, Levi Lewis, the quarterback there, was really talented quarterback. Smaller quarterback. Like, remember that game last year between Louisiana and Liberty? Yeah, Malik Willis versus Levi Lewis? That was a fun game. Fun game. But Iowa State just wasn't ready for that. And again, Matt Campbell doesn't like to show things too early in the season, and it kind of backfired him on that day. They've come out victorious more times than not, but the games are a lot close. Like, they were 30-point favorites against you and I last year. I don't know if anybody in their right mind actually thought Iowa State was going to win by 30 points in that game. If they were, if they did think that, they need to get their head checked. Because you and I in Iowa State rarely is a blowout, let alone a 30-point game, especially week one under Matt Campbell when it's not traditionally a high-scoring affair for Iowa State. Not to say it's a good or bad thing, but they don't show anything week one. And you're playing a team, an FCS opponent like Southeast Missouri State, you are going to think that you can ease through that opponent, which can lead you to trouble at times. You know, you never want to overlook your opponents. So Southeast Missouri State, you don't want to do that. I don't know how good Southeast Missouri State is. But you know what? I think Iowa State should win. So I think all I think the two big schools in Iowa will come out victorious. Iowa State, South Dakota State, Southeast Missouri State. Wins for those two teams. You and I, tough loss. We're gonna go like thirty one to fourteen. Air Force. That's my prediction there. But we don't have those teams playing. All those teams are taking place on September third. So we got another week until Iowa, Iowa State, you and I are all playing their games. But we got games coming up this weekend. August 27th, and I'm very, very excited. The first game of the college football season is one that everybody has been waiting for. Austin P. taking on Western Kentucky. Bailey Zappi, the record-breaking quarterback, is no longer here. We made that note that he's with the New England Patriots now, which is still a strange draft pick to me. Still strange, but you know what? We move. Had a good season last year, obviously. Broke all Joe Burrow's passing records. But that game's going to be awesome. But the game that I know that game's going to be fun, I know that game's going to be a barn burner because Western Kentucky, insane offense, always have. The next game, Nebraska against Northwestern. And you, I don't know if you heard this. It was everywhere, so I'd be surprised you didn't. But the Big Ten has got a sponsorship deal with the, it was CBS. And they're taking the prime time slot, that 2.30, 3.30 Eastern time the SEC usually has. I cannot wait to see Nebraska and Northwestern with the SEC song. I don't care if it's the Big Ten is playing. I don't care if the Big Ten is technically playing on the CBS. That is the SEC song. That is not that is not the Big Tens. I don't care. And it'll take me years. And I'm talking years, years, until that becomes semi-normal to me. You're so used to something. Like that soundtrack for the CBS for SEC Saturday afternoon kickoff. Number one network for the number one conference. Are they still going to keep that for the Big Ten? Because when the Big Ten starts getting USC and UCLA and possibly Notre Dame, I think we might be having that conversation. But right now, it's clearly the SEC. So I don't know if we can keep that going forward, but we'll have to wait and see on that. I don't know if the deal takes place this year. Because I know that means the Big Ten's not going to be on ESPN or something like that. Like it's an exclusive rights deal with CBS and Fox and and schools and uh, networks like that. I think. I could be very wrong about that. But Northwestern versus Nebraska, you got the likes of Rutgers, you got Illinois. 
taking place on CBS. None of those schools would probably you, know, you rarely see Vanderbilt taking on Kentucky on CBS on the two thirty kickoff slot. So though I know the memes are funny about thinking of Nebraska versus Northwestern at two thirty on CBS, but you don't see the terrible teams of the SEC. I don't know anybody that's actually sat down and watched Nor- Vanderbilt just for the sake of watching Vanderbilt. Like I, my friend Ryan's an Arkansas fan. I think he's one of the few friends that I have that's a fan of the SEC, like a, like a, a actual fan of the SEC. Like he grew up watching Arkansas. The SEC went to Iowa State, so yeah, he shouldn't be an Arkansas fan anymore. He went to Northwestern and Iowa State, not that Northwestern, another Northwestern. So he shouldn't, he should not cheer for Arkansas anymore. But we'll let it slide. We'll let it slide this time because it's not Iowa. Iowa's different. Arkansas is not. So he'll watch that, but. I don't know if I've ever sat down and been like, I'm going to watch Vanderbilt play. I don't know if anybody's ever said that. Like, I've jokingly sat down and watched Kansas versus Coastal Carolina two years ago, or three years ago, however, like with North Coast Carolina, their first year of, like, being really good. They played Kansas at Kansas and beat them. It was like a 9.30 p.m. kickoff in Lawrence, Kansas, for Coastal Carolina versus Kansas. Oh, who the hell scheduled that game? In regards to the timing, 9.30 p.m., <laughs> that's an 8, 9.30 a.m. game. The game sucks. Like, you remember a few years ago when the Pac-12 was trying to do 11 o'clock central time kickoffs and they're doing 9.30 games? Remember when they tried to do that? I don't know if they're still doing that or anything, but that was weird. I could not imagine getting ready on a Saturday to play a game at 9.30. 11's tough. 11's tough. A lot of our games were at 2.00. But 11's tough. You and I is a lot of weird. They usually play like four. But Northwestern versus Nebraska. The battle of the ends. The battle of knowledge. Nebraska versus Northwestern. Crazy game. Nebraska's a 14-point favorite. Craziness. On neutral soil. It's in Dublin. You know the fans over in Dublin are dying to watch this game. You look at the past five games for each school. So the past ten games combined, we are a combined record of 0-10. So we are, we are looking at... Some insane college football. I know Nebraska's like doing that thing where you look at how many close games we had. We had a lot of one-score losses. Yeah, we still lost. Doesn't matter if you lost by 100 points or you lost by one point. You still lost. One could be more embarrassing than the other, yes, but you still lost the game. And There's no moral victories in the sport of football in regards to, oh, we almost won. If you look at games that we scored, we scored one more touchdown, we would have won. If we scored more points than the other opponent, we would have won. If we won every game we lost, we would be undefeated. Well, yeah, <laughs> obviously. But you look at the last five games for each. We lost to North, North, Nebraska, lost to Minnesota, Purdue, Ohio State, Wisconsin, Iowa. Ended the season with three straight top 25 teams. Purdue was near the top 25. In Minnesota, weird team, but solid. And then you have Northwestern lose to Minnesota, Iowa, Wisconsin, Purdue, and Illinois. Getting thrashed in every single one of them, except for one. Can you guess the one that is? Yeah, it was against Iowa. Yeah, they lost 17-12. That game sucked. I was at Smash Park watching that. That was the Anthony Padilla game. Like, that game, Anthony Padilla, wow. That's from Smosh, not Anthony. <laughs> oh, not Anthony Padilla. Oh, Anthony. Hey, if you guys ever watch, sat down and watched some uh, old-school Smosh, that's good stuff. I know Anthony Padilla still got some YouTube videos up. But it's not Smosh anymore. Smosh kind of went downhill. They went more uh, corporate than what it used to be. But Alex, Alex Padilla, Alex Padilla. This was one of his games, and uh, 
Yeah, because this is where Spencer Petras got quote unquote hurt when he 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 didn't. I don't think he did. It was kind of the situation where Jake Rudock got quote unquote hurt at Iowa, and I I don't think he did. And Alex Padilla did not do anything like insane. It didn't do anything terrible. It was kind of the situation was wow, this is a uh, they're pretty hard to watch regardless of who the quarterback is. So people want to talk about you look at what Alex Padilla did for Iowa last year. And go, well, see, he's not that good. See, Petrus is better than him. I just think both of them are bad. I don't really like either one of them. And I think it's just a more of an indictment on Brian Ferentz as an offensive coordinator. But that's a story for another time. We'll get to Iowa, more talking about Iowa next weekend. Or next Friday, because we got, you know, Iowa taking on South Dakota State. We got Iowa State taking on South Missouri State. And we got UNI taking on Air Force. So we got to talk about all those games. We got Idaho State taking on UNLV, UConn, Utah State. What a barn burner that will be. That's on FS1. Utah State's a 26.5 point favorite. Good God. We got Wyoming and Illinois. I've never been able to say his name. DeQuince. You know I'm saying that right? DeQuince? DeQuesne? I don't know. I I don't know in Florida State, but you know what? I'm going to, you might want to take DeQuesne in this. I don't know how to say their name in this game. And then we got Charlotte versus Florida Atlantic. Florida A&M taking on North Carolina. North Texas, UTEP, Nevada versus New Mexico State on ESPN2. And then here's the opening day game. I forgot about this one. The opening day game. 9.30 p.m. kickoff. This is like Kansas versus Coast Carolina. But this one makes more sense because of how far away it is. It's Vanderbilt versus Hawaii. So you know what? I take back what I said earlier about who just sits down and watches Vanderbilt. We're going to sit down and watch Vanderbilt versus Hawaii. That is at 9.30 p.m. on CBS Sports Network. Primetime television. And Vanderbilt's an eight-point favorite. Timmy Chang is the new head coach of Hawaii. You know, the Colt Brennan before Colt Brennan in regards to putting up insane numbers for the Rainbow Warriors. Insane stuff. I used to love, I think everybody loved watching uh, Hawaii football growing up with Colt Brennan. It was them and Boise State. Then, you know, unlike Boise State, though, when Boise State went to go play a big dog, Boise State would come out on top. Hawaii went to go play Georgia in the Sugar Bowl and got shit stumped by Matt Stafford. Absolutely annihilated by Georgia. Like, Boise would go out and beat Virginia Tech. They'd beat a good Arizona team at the time. They'd beat TCU. They'd beat they'd beat Georgia or be competitive with Georgia. They'd beat Oklahoma. They had all these big-time wins against these big-time opponents, and then Hawaii goes, oh, yeah, we're up there with Boise, and then uh, gets shit-rocked by by the Bulldogs. But it doesn't take away from the fact that that team was fun. June Jones was the coach of that team. Fun team. Timmy Chang again, the head coach of the Hawaii Winterbill Warriors. They're not playing at Honolulu Stadium or Aloha Stadium. That thing's getting either demolished or renovated. I can't remember which one. But they're playing at the Clarence T.C. Ching Athletics Complex. So, a lot smaller. I liked, I like Aloha Stadium watching it. I don't know what it's like actually being in the stadium or around the stadium, but I like watching Aloha Stadium. Especially when that thing was rocking. So, there can't, like, I know it's, so here's the thing. I've, I've always been kind of understanding yet, I don't know. You, you With Hawaii, with their football program, I know they haven't been, like, the best, best program of all time. 
But on Saturdays, like you could dedicate a time to go to Hawaii football games. I know there's the the surfing, there's all these different things to do around Hawaii on the islands, but you just go to a nice little Hawaii football game. I know it might be difficult because it's a it's different than going to like Kinnick Stadium and what else are you gonna do in the state of Iowa on a Saturday except watch college football? Ain't a whole hell of a lot else you're gonna do. Okay? When you're in Hawaii, if you're in LA, you're in San Diego, wherever. Yeah, there's a lot of things to do. There's warm weather all the time. People are going to be, you know, it's going to be more hard pressed to get people to the games. I understand that. But when you're on the island like that, I would go to a Hawaii game all the time. I'm just saying, I'm, I'm sticking up for my Hawaii Rainbow Warriors and we're taking that. I don't know how long of a flight that is from Vanderbilt to Hawaii. That seems like a trek. I don't know who else Hawaii is playing at home this year. Who else do they got? I want to see who else they've, okay, of course. My computer does this weird thing every once in a while. It's not consistent at all. It's just randomly, my computer's like, you know what? On Safari, ESPN's not going to work anymore. ESPN, we're just not, we're just not going to let it work. But then it randomly loads, like it just did. The farthest team apart from Vanderbilt they have is Western Kentucky. I don't know which one's technically farther, Vanderbilt or Western Kentucky. Or DeQuesne, I don't know. <laughs> Hawaii, I want to watch Hawaii more. I used to want to, I wanted to watch them so much when I was a kid. But you look at these start times, 9.30, 11, 7, 11. And this is 11 p.m. This ain't no 11 a.m. 7, 9.30, 11. Okay, 3 o'clock. That's workable. That's at Colorado State. Then we got 11. Time to be decided against Fresno State. 10, 10, and then on the road, 2.30 against San Jose State. There's not any games that are at home for Hawaii that are uh, watchable, really, <laughs> unless you're dedicated to watching Hawaii football. And I will be. I will be Saturday. Best believe I'm going to be tuning into Vanderbilt versus Hawaii. That game's going to be insane. But with college football coming back and the way it is, again, I know none of the really big teams like Alabama, Ohio State, Clemson, Georgia, Iowa are not playing this week. But, you know, we still got to talk about it. It's the first week of college football. It's the first week of college football. And we're a week away from big-time college football. Outside, you know, Vanderbilt, Hawaii, and northwestern Nebraska. But Heather Dinich at ESPN, I'm sorry if I mispronounced her name, she came up with an article this morning, exclusive content for yours truly, top 20 teams that can make the college football playoff. And there's a lot of the usual suspects in here. Like, you start off the list. Alabama, Georgia, Clemson. You got Notre Dame, who I'm always intrigued about Notre Dame because it seems like every time they get invited to these times of parties, they get destroyed. So I don't really know if I want to include – I know they're – I'm going to include Notre Dame. I like their coach. I do like their new coach. So, But I'm, I'm never really optimistic for Notre Dame in regards to going into the college football playoff. Michigan – are they going to be as good as what they were last year? I don't know. They lost a lot of key defensive players. David Ojabo, Aiden Hutchinson, Daxton Hill. They lost um, Hassan Haskins, the running back. Quarterback controversy still between Cade McNamara and J.J. McCarthy. We don't know who's going to start for them. Blake Corum expected to have a big year this year. We'll see. I don't know if Michigan's going to be as good as what they were last year, but they should be good. They should be good. Texas? I think Texas is that dark horse team because you look at and it's weird to say Texas is a dark horse, but they've been so bad recently. And maybe not even just, like, terrible, terrible. I mean, they were 5-7 and seven and lost to Kansas last year. So, yes, that was bad. But years prior, like, 7-6, and six, but just Texas and how annoying they are, it was like, 
every single loss was amplified, regardless of who it was to or how it was or how much they got blown out by. It was like, wow, this team stinks. And they just went 8-4 and four or 7-5 and five or whatever. But Texas at 5-7, and seven, they have a young offense. If Quinn Ewers is anywhere near what we expect him to be, we should expect it to be good. They got Xavier Worthy out wide, Bijan Robinson, the best running back in all of college football. They got a young, exciting team, Steve Sarkeesian. Hopefully he can get his op- offense implemented this season, have less of a learning curve like we did last year, and then a op- pretty open Big 12. Oklahoma's still the top dog. I refuse to believe Oklahoma, though they lost a lot of key pieces. Dylan Gabriel is a good quarterback. Marvin Mims is a good wide receiver. Kennedy Brooks is a good running back. Don't really know about Brent Venables that much as a head coach. We know he's a really good defensive head, defensive coordinator. We know that. It's like Oklahoma, though they've lost some key pieces, they do have good players still on this roster. So I do, I, I do think Texas has one of those outside shots at making the college football playoff, but I don't want to rule out Oklahoma like that. I don't think a Big 12 team makes it this year. I would just like to say, I do not think a Big 12 team makes it this year. I think Oklahoma will go like 10-3 and three probably, start out, go 9-3, and three, win the Big 12 Conference title or something like that. I think 9-3. and three, I, I don't know. The Big 12 is kind of weird this year. And then Oklahoma's next on this list. Miami, I like Miami. Tyler Van Dyke's a very, very good quarterback. Yeah, Will Mallory, a tight end, one of the better tight ends in all of college football. I like Miami. Zion Nelson at tackle. Do I think they'll make it? No, I don't think a biggie. I don't think an ACC school will make it. I don't think that. Like, you look at the rest of the ACC, like Clemson can't be worse than what they were last year, right? And it was kind of a similar situation to that of Texas. Like, Clemson went 10-3 and last year. But it felt like they were below 500 with some of their games. They had DJU played bad quite a bit last year. Like, 10-3 and three feels like it's very generous for Clemson's record what it was last year because it didn't feel like that. It felt so much worse than 10-3. and three. Like, they were around 7-5 and five or something, like pre-Dabo Sweeney days. Like, just an average college football team. Nothing special, just teetering on average. But they should be a lot better than what they were last year because it's Clemson and they're going to bring players in that are going to improve the squad. I expect DJU to be a lot better than what he was last year. Defensively, we know what Clemson is. I know they lost Brent Venables like we just talked about going to Oklahoma. But Clemson still has dogs on their team. It's still Clemson. I'm not ruling out Clemson for anything. And they're, I think they're the only team, really, that we're talking about college football playoff. I know I'm, I don't know if Pitt's on here, but Pitt's going to be someone we talk about a little bit, too, with Keaton Slovis coming in to replace Kenny Pickett. They lost Jordan Addison, but they do have some other key players on the defensive side of the ball. Pat Narduzzi built a really good team last year. Went 11-2, won the ACC, won their bowl game. So, you know what? Pitt, if we're talking about the top ACC teams, I think there's those three and then everybody else pretty much. Florida State can't be much worse than what they were last year. One was expect Jordan Travis, you expect him to take a little jump up this year. Is there any other ACC schools that I'm forgetting about? Louisville, I like Louisville. I like Malik Cunningham quite a bit. I think he's one of your dark horse Heisman candidates, just given how insane some of his numbers are. He doesn't turn the ball over, and he'll have around 1,700 rushing yards, one would imagine. Okay, we'll lower it to just uh, to make the ease the pressure on him. 1,700 is a lot. That's a lot of yards. I take that back. But somewhere around like 1,200 rushing yards. I could see Malik Cunningham having around like 2,900 passing yards and 1,200 rushing yards. I think we have a dark shot at the Heisman because, again, the ACC is not the toughest conference college football. If Louisville can maneuver away, I know they lost Tyler Harrell to Alabama. That's a big loss at wide receiver. But I do like Malik Cunningham, and I didn't mean to go off the segue about the ACC. I don't even know if Pitt 
And I know Louisville's not going to be on here, but I don't know if Pitt's not going to be on this list at all. But uh, next, Utah, yeah. Yeah, Utah's very good. Cam Rising, you saw when Cam Rising got implemented as a starter last year. And we'll talk about Cam Rising here and a bunch of other college quarterbacks here in a little bit. But when Cam Rising got implemented as a starting quarterback, you saw the offense starting to get a lot more consistent. And you saw defensively, we know what Utah is defensively. You saw them dominate games. That They don't have Devin Lloyd, but Clark Phillips at corner, very, very solid corner. Very, very solid. But Utah, I don't think they'll make the playoff. I don't think they'll do that this year. They had a fun game against Ohio State in the Rose Bowl, but I don't think they're doing that. Oklahoma State, weird 12-2 team last year. Very weird. Won the Big 12 title. Beat, uh, no, no. They lost to Baylor, didn't they? Or did they beat Baylor? Because it was some weird thing where they were on the goal line. I was at a funeral that day, so I don't remember. I didn't sit down and watch that game. But, uh, yeah, Oklahoma State 12-2. and two. Yeah, I don't, I don't see them. I don't, again, I don't think a Big 12 team makes it this year. I think Texas could surprise some people. And I think Oklahoma is still a, a solid team. Oklahoma State, I don't see them going 12-2 and two again this year. I don't really see that. Spencer Sanders, I like him. I like Spencer Sanders. We're going to need some more consistency out of him. I remember like there two his freshman and sophomore year, hopefully this loads for me, his numbers freshman and sophomore year are the exact same in regards to completions and attempts. Exact same. I've never seen that before. 247 attempts and 155 completions in his first two years. How the hell does that happen? How does that work out? Then he had a be- his best season last year, but still threw 12 interceptions, had 668 rushing yards, which is what he did not do his sophomore year. We had COVID and everything like that, but yeah. Spencer Sanders, I like him, so I'm expecting him to take a little, not, not an insane leap, but I expect him to be you know one of the top guys. One of the, he is just one of the top guys in that Big 12. Big 12 is not really a, that strong quarterback conference. I mean, Dylan Gabriel is the top guy. Like Gary Bohannon transferred to South Florida from Baylor. Spencer Rattler transferred. Caleb Williams transferred. Casey Thompson transferred, but now they got Quinn Ewers at Texas. Brock Purdy is done. Skylar Thompson went to the Skylar Thompson, Brock Purdy went to the draft. Who else was there? Am I forgetting anybody in the Big 12? I think Texas Tech has a new quarterback. Or is it the quarterback that played Iowa State last year? I don't remember his name. Am I forgetting anybody else? Kansas has a new... Daniels is the starting quarterback for Kansas. He's the one that beat Texas. I don't know. But we got Max Duggan down in TCU. But not the strongest quarterback conference. So Spencer Sanders, regardless of what he does, I would expect him to be a top three guy this year. I think the top three guys preseason are Gabriel, Ewers, and... And Ewers is just a projection at this point. Ewers and Sanders at number three. No, and then the next one we got LSU. Yeah, I don't think LSU makes it. They got players defensively, but offensively, I don't know what to make of them. Brian Kelly in his first year at LSU. I know he's got the sick new Southern accent and everything, but I don't know. Jaden Daniels needs to be really consistent as a quarterback. You saw what he did running the ball last year. He was consistent in that aspect, but there was a stretch where he wasn't doing really anything in the pass game. And LSU last year went six and seven riddled with injuries, especially on the defensive side of the ball. They lost Eli Ricks and Derek Stingley. They barely played them last year because they were hurt all the time. And then Eli Ricks was transferred to Bama, who's the best corner in college football. Derek Stingley went to the draft, got drafted third overall by the Texans. Now you got Allie Gay still there on the defensive line. But, yeah, I don't think... I, I know you're ranking 20 teams. I know not all these 20 teams have a realistic shot at making it. 
Like, they 3.2% chance to make it is what she has them at. And I think that's pretty fair. Like, do I like Jane Daniels? Yes. Do I like Kayshawn Butte? Yes, I do. But I need to see some consist- consistency from Jane Daniels to say that, yes, LSU is one of the top 20 teams regardless that they can make the playoff. Because Georgia exists, Florida exists, the guys that we didn't even mention, Bama exists. So there's the three teams right there, and there ain't no way three SEC teams are making the college football playoff. I mean, crazier things have happened, I guess. I guess crazier things have happened. So I don't think LSU is one of those guys. I don't think they're one of those guys. Did I even mention Florida earlier? Does she have Florida on here? What? Hold on. Wow. Doesn't even have Florida on the list. Wow. Now we got we got some other SEC. We got Auburn, Kentucky, and there's one more, I thought. Did I miss them? Auburn, Texas A&M, and Kentucky. Uh, are those teams better than Florida? I don't necessarily think so. I don't think any of those teams are really that much better than Florida. Like Auburn, yeah, Brian Harson there's the head coach. Quarterback situation is kind of up in the air. Texas A&M, similar thing. Quarterback situation is kind of up in the air. Good, solid defensively, Texas A&M, but everything else. They got Jimbo Fisher there, so that Alabama game will be fun. And then Kentucky, I'm excited about Kentucky, but they lost a lot of key pieces on offense. Key, key pieces. Will Levis is still there. Chris Rodriguez is still there. But you lost Darian Kennard at tackle. Big-time loss. Went to the NFL. Wondell Robinson's gone. Wide receiver got drafted by the Giants in the second round. And then you have their other wide receivers gone as well. I don't remember. His name was Downs, I think it was. But you lost three very important pieces on offense. You saw what happened with Sam Howell in regards to losing top weapons. Sam Howell lost Diane Amy Brown, Chaz Newsom, Javante Williams, and Michael Carter in the same offseason. Now, Chris Rodriguez being there and Will Levis being a really good running quarterback helps them out a lot. They don't, they don't need to necessarily rely that heavily on the pass game. They can use Chris Rodriguez and Will Levis' running ability to mask the issues out wide or quote-unquote issues because I'm not saying that they're going to be abysmal out wide. They could be very good out wide, but Wondell Robinson is going to be very, very hard receiver to place, replace. And Will Levis last year had some inconsistencies in regards to accuracy and ball placement, mainly ball placement because you saw 13 interceptions, 13, 14 interceptions last year, something like that. So you're going to want that to improve. But, I mean, they're a consistent program. They went 10-3 and last year. Surprised a lot of people going 10-3. and Beat Iowa pretty easily in the bowl game. I don't remember what the score was, but I just remember it being a fairly <laughs> easy game. It could have been a seven-point game for all I care. Kentucky dominated them. But do I think them, Texas A&M, and Auburn are better than Florida? I could have completely missed Florida. Did I completely miss Florida? Okay, I didn't. So I, I'm confused. I am thrown off a little bit by that. I am a little bit thrown off by that. I'm not saying Florida is going to be the team that upsets the patriarchy of uh, Georgia and Alabama or hierarchy of Alabama and Georgia, but that's weird. That's weird not having them on there. Like, Owen Popo is at Auburn, very good linebacker. Oh, the number they have the number one strike the schedule, I guess, Auburn does. But that could also hurt them because they did go 6-7 and seven last year. So, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I could be completely wrong here, but I think Florida are better than A&M and Auburn. Kentucky, I could take or leave, but Auburn and A&M, I think Florida are better than, especially at quarterback. That's the thing here. You're looking at consistent. That's the most important position here. 
quarterback. And Anthony Richardson, though he didn't play a ton last year, is a better option by far than what Texas A&M and Auburn have at quarterback. By far. It's not even really close. Next is Penn State. I mean, yeah, Big Ten's not necessarily the strongest conference this year, at least in preseason. So, yeah, I guess. I don't really like Sean Clifford. They completely capitulated towards the end of the season. They ranked as high as two and then dropped all the way down to seven and six. So, I don't I don't know. Then we've got Pitt. Okay, Pitt is on here. We already talked about Pitt. North Carolina, intriguing. They did lose Ty, Ty Chandler, the running back this year. They lost Sam Howell. They are bringing in, da- uh, what's his name, David May? Something May coming in at quarterback. But again, this is all coming down to an easier or a weaker ACC. That's what we're kind of looking at, easier or weaker ACC. And then finally, the last team on your Cincinnati, yeah, because they're in the AAC and they're the only really good team in that conference. I know they lost some good pieces last year. Kobe Bryant, Sauce, Bar- Sauce Gardner, Desmond Ritter, to name a few. There's more in there that we could have definitely – Alec Pierce is another one. Like, they lost a lot of good pieces on that roster. But in Cincinnati, they got Luke Fickle there, consistent program. I don't expect them to be in the college football playoff conversation like they were last year because that was building up. You saw the consi- you saw the, the consistent growth from Ritter at quarterback and everybody else around him. As Ritter got better, the team got better. And having a four-year starter gone in Desmond Ritter is big. So I really don't think there's a chance in hell Cincinnati made the college football playoff this year. I could be completely wrong. I could be completely wrong about that. And I'm open to being wrong about that. I just don't think in the AAC, can they go undefeated? Possibly. But that not having a four-year starter at quarterback, a consistent presence at quarterback, never missed a game, to my knowledge. Never missed a game at Cincinnati. Four years was the starter there. As he got better, the team got better. Like, he was the catalyst for this undefeated unit. And you lost a lot of key pieces. I don't think there's a chance in hell that they make it. Is there any surprising teams that aren't on here? Yeah, I think Florida's fairly surprising that they did not make this list. Off the top of my head, like, am I expecting to see Iowa on here? No, not really. I was too inconsistent on offense to say that, oh, man, I am completely floored by the fact that Iowa is not on this list. Insanity. I would like to take I, – I, I, maybe I was a little harsh before. <laughs> I was kind of thinking – when I was talking about Florida, I like Florida a lot. Do I think that – I was a little mean to Texas A&M. I just don't like their quarterback situation. Texas A&M is a better coach. Bill Napier is coming in as the head coach of Florida. We'll see how he does there. But, you know, Texas A&M consistent program, uh, consistently overrated. But, you know, they do have a really good D. They're always a solid base on defense. Offense I'm a little concerned about. But they do they do have a very good off the line. Layden Robinson, the best guard in the draft, is at Texas A&M. They have a solid base of the off the line. They're usually a consistent running game. Not having Isaiah Spiller is going to be big. I think Haynes King is the starting quarterback for Texas A&M. I could be wrong. He was injured last year. But I don't know. I Texas A&M and Tennessee and Notre Dame all kind of fold in that same category for me. About a team that's very highly rated at the start of the season and never reaches that height towards the end. Like, they'll be mid-season. Texas A&M will probably be ranked like three and then finish the season seven and five or something like that. That just seems what that feels like. Like, Notre Dame, I don't think they'll be that bad Notre Dame, let's look at Notre Dame's schedule. I don't know what their schedule really looks like. Okay, they'll get blitzed by Ohio State week one. Fairly confident saying that. 
Then Marshall, Cal, North Carolina, BYU, Stanford, UNLV, Syracuse, Clemson, Navy, Boston College, and USC. Like, I didn't see USC unless I completely missed it. USC wasn't on that list. And USC, USC there's USC is a weird one because USC, yes, they brought in a lot of really good pieces. They got one of the top quarterbacks in college football in Caleb Williams. Lincoln Riley's there. But you could look at it in one way and go, well, it could take a year or two to get Lincoln Riley's system fully implemented with the squad, get his players that he wants for his team. But then there's the other side of Lincoln Riley was pretty much good off the jump at Oklahoma. I know Oklahoma at that point was in a different state than USC is. USC's coming off, I think, a 5-7 and seven season. So I know there's a big difference in what the two teams were when Lincoln Riley took over. But I trust what Lincoln Riley does. I like Caleb Williams. They got good players. They brought in Jordan Addison, Travis Dye from Oregon. They got players coming in. Andrew Voorhees on the offensive line. So I'm, I am expecting USC to be one of those quote-unquote dark horse teams. Is there any other teams? Arkansas, I think, could get a mention here. I like K.J. Jefferson, but they'd lose Traylon Burks. Jalen Catalan's coming back from injury, so having him back will be huge. I know a lot of, I saw something on Twitter. Some people are expecting Arkansas to be one of the disappointments in college football this season. I don't know. I don't know who I'm really tabbing as my biggest disappointment in college football season preseason. I mean, like, the easy answer is A&M, just because I feel like that's how it always is. They always start off super good like this. And then, again, finish around 7-5 and five or 8-4. and four. Just how it usually works out. But I'm not going to say that. I'm not going to say that. I'm not going to say that. But I am surprised that Florida didn't get a mention in there. Because I do like Florida this year. It's all proje- I guess I guess I should say it is all projection. It, Florida is all a projection. Because I don't know how good Anthony Richardson is going to be as the full-time starter. I do not know. It's all projection. I don't know how Bill Napier is going to be in his first season as head coach. You look at how Florida starts the season off. Utah, Kentucky, two top 25 opponents, first two weeks of the season. Both primetime games on ESPN. Now, what helps Florida in this situation is that both games are at Ben Hill Griffin Stadium. Both games are at home. In South Florida, the next game, they struggled with, I know they blew them out of the water score-wise, but there were times they struggled against South, South Florida. He played Tennessee, which is going to be tough. I know I just bashed him a little bit, but Hendon Hooker's a very solid quarterback. Tennessee's a solid football team. You saw when Hendon Hooker took over as the quarterback last year, how much better they got. It was like, oh, we see them with, who's the, Hilton, Milton, Joe Milton, transfer from Michigan, how they were with him. And then once Hendon Hooker came in, I think Hendon Hooker threw like three interceptions the entire season. Hendon Hooker, very good quarterback. Eastern Washington, always a tough opponent, tough FCS opponent. Very solid offense. The Missouri, LSU, Georgia, A&M, both on the road. South Carolina, Vanderbilt, Florida State. So you end the season. South Carolina, I don't know really what to make of South Carolina. They got in. They brought in Spencer Rattler, who a lot of people still really like. I'm still up in the air about it because his attitude sucks. But end the season relatively easy at this point in time. This is what it seems. I know South Carolina, a lot of people are going to be watching South Carolina this year. But we'll have to see. But Florida's schedule is tough. Like, you look at the start of the schedule, you are playing, what, three teams in the top seven as far as the preseason poll? Three teams, two of them on the road, Georgia and Texas A&M, back-to-back weeks. Like, you're not, you're not even getting a rest in there. Back-to-back weeks. That is tough. You're going to Georgia and then to 
Texas A&M. Two insanely tough place to play, especially Kyle Field. November 5th, that place is going to be rocking. And we'll see how Anthony Richardson does with the pressure of those situations. I think Anthony Richardson can be fine because I think in regards to talent, there's not a lot of quarterbacks that are as talented as Anthony Richardson. But again, all projection at this point. Florida was very up and down last year, which is why they made the coaching change. So, yeah, finished 6-7. and seven. And you had Emory Jones, who was really up and down. I think in regards to talent, again, Emory Jones is up there in re- regards to one of the most talented quarterbacks in college football. He transferred to Arizona State. But consistency was huge. You just, if, if Anthony Richardson did not get a concussion during the USF game, Emory Jones would have never seen the field the rest of the year. But the fact that Anthony Richardson got hurt led Emory Jones to regain his starting spot and put up good numbers but play really up and down in certain games in last season. Very up and down. Like the game after, like, so you saw against Tennessee, Emory Jones threw for over 200 yards, rushed for over 140. Like Anthony Richardson, or Emory Jones had those games. Back-to-back games, he led the team in passing and rushing. Multiple games, he led the team in passing and rushing. Like against Samford, which is Samford, yes. And Florida struggled against Samford. <laughs> 70 to 52. But I do think I am excited to see what Anthony Richardson can do. Full-time, as the unquestioned starter, I'm very excited to see what he does. And when we're talking about college quarterbacks, there's a lot of discussions. Like, I've seen Pro Football Focus do this. I've seen, I think, Fox Sports do this. And this one I saw on Instagram today, which is why I just wanted to bring this one up. I don't know. Mike Farrell Sports. I don't know who Mike Farrell. Who is Mike Farrell? Is he someone I should know? Is he someone I should know? Or should I not know him? Not the actor from MASH. Not that one. So I don't know. Maybe I should know this guy, but I don't know. He releases top 50 quarterbacks for college football. And there's a difference here. I'd like to preface this beforehand. There's a difference between college good and NFL good. Okay? So when we're talking about like the best quarterbacks in college football history, you're looking at like Tim Tebow, Matt Leinart, Vince Young, players like that. I know there's others in there, but those are the examples that I want to use so it helps my my <laughs> my my argument. Amazing college quarterbacks. Vince Young should have won a Heisman, or could have won a Heisman. Matt Leinart won a Heisman. Tim Tebow won a Heisman. All of them won national championships. None of them did anything in the NFL. Vince Young won Rookie of the Year, made Pro Bowl, that was it. Then called the Eagles a super team, they didn't make the playoffs. Matt Leiner got beat out by a 40-something-year-old Kurt Warner. He wasn't 40, but it felt like it. And then Tim Tebow went to the playoffs and then had a 42-yard sack against the Patriots and then never started in the NFL quarterback again. Had the weirdest walk-off in NFL history against the Steelers and then uh, was done. But those are some of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, so there's a difference... Between, like, legendary college quarterback, Colt McCoy's another one. I know Colt McCoy's had a really good NFL career in regards to journeyman status, but in regards to his levels of what he reached at Texas versus what he is in the NFL, two completely different styles of players. So you have that, and then you have the players that, you know, talent. You look at the talent more than, oh, yeah, this guy's a really good right-now quarterback. So there's situations like that in this list. Like the top three, I don't think the top three really surprised anybody. It's Young, Stroud, and Caleb Williams. I don't think that surprised anybody. If it does, I I don't know. Like I saw Pro Football Focus had one, and they had Rattler in the top three. Caleb Williams or uh, C.J. Stroud sitting at four. I don't know where that came from. I don't know where that <laughs> came from. But then this is what I'm talking about in regards to just college quarterbacks, not NFL prospects. College quarterback Devin Leary at four. 
I like Devin Leary. Do I think he is the fourth best quarterback in college football? No, I do not. I think there's quarterbacks behind him that are better. Like Hendon Hooker, I think, is better. Will Levis, I think, is better. Tyler Van Dyke's better. Sam Hartman, I can make an argument, is better than Devin Leary. A, a solid one. I'm not saying I'm going to make that argument. I do like Sam Hartman. I like Devin Leary. Sam Hartman's the Wake Forest quarterback, if you did not know that. Then Cam Rising. Okay, I, w- I won't say Cam Rising. Brennan Armstrong. Brennan Armstrong is pretty much just Virginia. If Cam, if Brennan Armstrong does not perform for Virginia, they lose. You saw what happened when they did. Like they went up against teams that had really solid offenses. Their defense couldn't stop shit. So they needed Brennan Armstrong to put up good numbers so they could stay competitive in that game. And then KJ Jefferson at eleven, very physical quarterback, big dude, strong arm. I could see him being one of those position changers in the NFL. Like Felipe Franks, another Arkansas quarterback, just made the transition to tight end for the Falcons. Then you've got, like, uh, Logan Thomas, who's a quarterback at Virginia Tech. He plays tight end for the Commanders. Michael Robinson, who won a Super Bowl with the Seahawks as a fullback. He was the quarterback for the Penn State Nittany Lions for a couple years, or a year. Tim Tebow should have changed positions. Case, uh, Taysom Hill, I don't, I, is he still technically a quarterback, or is he a tight end now? I don't know, but the, the, there's a lot of players that were good college quarterbacks that made the transition to another position, but I think the thing that could help Jefferson is that he's got a really strong arm. That could help him. So maybe he doesn't necessarily. Phil Yurkovic from Boston College, we talked about him a lot. He battled some wrist injuries last year, or hand wrist injuries that did not reach his full potential last year. But he's better than what he was last year, one would hope. Grayson McCall at 13. Yeah, I like Grayson McCall. Then Dylan Gabriel, I think Dylan Gabriel's a little low. I think that's disrespectful to the lefty. Like we have Devin Leary at four, who's another lefty, and the next one comes in at 14, Dylan Gabriel. I think Dylan Gabriel's better than that. I think he's better than some of the quarterbacks we just mentioned. Like, I think – and then Brendan Armstrong's lefty as well. I forgot about that. But I think that Dylan Gabriel – well, now that he's playing – so it was kind of hard to judge him because he played at US, UCF beforehand. But now he's at Oklahoma, I think we can make – if once we see him play, I guess that's the fair thing, I guess, right? We have to wait till he plays. Because coming from a smaller conference like USF, UCF or the AAC, I know they're going to be in the Big 12 here in a little bit, but right now they're in the AAC. AAC. 15 is Tanner McKee. He is nothing special when it comes to athleticism. Hold on, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm distracted. My ADD is kicking in. There's a little spot on one of my scarves on the <laughs> in front of me. So I had to pull it off before I could focus on anything else. But Tanner McKee... In regards to like what you, if you're looking for a quarterback, you look at someone like Tanner McKee. He's big. He's like six foot six, 230, 240 pounds. He's a big dude, strong arm. Not a complete statue, but not really the best mover of all time. So we'll see how he does. He's like Stanford beat Oregon last year and then completely fell off the face of the earth on Tanner McKee stock with like pro football focus has been high on Tanner McKee since last year I watched Tanner McKee I think we had him in the top 10 for our quarterback rankings like once like Tanner McKee's fine but last year I know he's that the whole argument with Tanner McKee and quarterbacks of that nature is that oh he plays for a weaker team he doesn't have the same weapons around that other quarterbacks have if you gave him Bryce Young's weapons he'd be Bryce Young I'm not saying people have said that but people Use that as an example of when you're trying to make arguments for how good a quarterback is. If he was, if Bryce Young was on Stanford and Tanner McKee was on Alabama, 
Would they put up similar numbers? Would Stanford be better than what they are right now? I hate those arguments, but they still that they, they still pop up every once in a while. <laughs> it's ridiculous. But regardless, do I think Tanner McKee is a top 15 quarterback in college football? We'll get to the other quarterbacks, and we'll let you know here in a little bit. So we got 16, Spencer Rattler. Rattler, again, we just talked about him a little bit ago. Rattler is a weird case because Rattler, talent-wise, is there's not a lot of quarterbacks that are equal to Rattler. And we're saying this a lot. We've said Emory Jones was talented, Anthony Richardson's talented. Spencer Rattler is insanely talented. He is just an asshat. So it just makes him so hard to root for. The talent is there. You want to root for the talent. You want to see talented people like, if you have that God-given talent, you want to see them use that God-given talent to the fullest extent. But if they're a complete asshole, then you start cheering against them. You're like, everything, like Iowa State fans hate Spencer Rattler. And that has to go along with the Oklahoma thing, but also because he's an asshole. Like Josh Rosen. A lot of people like Josh Rosen prior to the draft. Like, oh, his arm, he's the most pro-ready quarterback. He's got this amazing throwing motion. He's got this amazing arm. But he's an asshole. So no one likes Josh Rosen. So no one really is fussed if if Josh Rosen succeeds or not. People still care if Sam Darnold succeeds to a certain extent, not as much as they did last year, but people still care because Sam Darnold, all things considered, seems like a good guy or a decent guy. Josh Rosen does not, so people less people cheer for Josh Rosen to succeed. Like I've been making fun of Josh Rosen for signing for the Browns and having the Dolphins and Cardinals as his Twitter picture with his bios as Browns quarterback. Like, yeah, it's just things like that. Do I think Spencer Rattler is better than Tanner McKee? In regards to talent, yes. But in regards to do I think Tanner McKee – got to figure out how I want to word this. I think Tanner McKee will have more – License to fail because of the fact he seems more like a nicer person. <laughs> uh, number 17, Will Rogers. I like Will Rogers at Mississippi State. I like Will Rogers. He's a, he's with Mike Leach. Mike Leach loves himself in quarterbacks, and Will Rogers can sling the ball over the field. I know Phil Steele had him at, like, projected third or fourth team All-SEC. Like, Will Rogers can play. Will Rogers can play. Clayton Toon from Houston, I think that's, I think that's a little bit high. I'm not going to lie. I do think that's a little bit high. Clayton Toon is, you know, your typical it's typical uh, Houston quarterback. Puts up really good numbers. Like, really good. Like, 3,500 yards, 30 touchdowns, 10 picks. Like, good numbers. But I do think that's a little – I don't – do I think he's a top 20 quarterback? I don't know. And like, just the next guy. Do I think he is better than Aiden O'Connell from Purdue? Do I think he's better than Malik Cunningham? Do I think he's better than Dorian Thompson-Robinson? Do I think he's better than Cameron Ward? Do I think he's better than Anthony Richardson? No, I don't think any of that. Like, Clayton Toon could go out and win the Heisman this year. But as of right now, as I'm sitting here on August 25th, 26th for you, I don't have him, like, the, I don't have him top 20. I don't even know if he's really better than Stetson Bennett from Georgia. He has him at number 20. Like, Stetson Bennett is not going to have, sadly for Stetson Bennett, he's probably not going to have an NFL career. It doesn't seem like he's going to have an NFL career. I mean, he might be one of those guys who goes straight to coaching. I don't know. I like Stetson Bennett. I like the story, but I really doubt he has an NFL career. But even then, I don't think Stetson Bennett's a top 20 quarterback either. I've mentioned quarterback like Malik Cunningham, Dorian Thompson-Robinson, Cam Ward, Anthony Richardson, all the quarterbacks that are ranked outside the top 20 that would rank higher than two quarterbacks that we just mentioned, Clayton Toon and Stetson Bennett. Aiden O'Connell, I think Aiden O'Connell will have a great year. Again, I think Purdue's a dark horse to win the Big Ten West this year. So they got some weapons. Their offense is going to be fun to watch again. They don't have David Bell. 
I, I, I hope David Bell does well for Cleveland Browns. I do like David Bell. But Clayton Toon and Stetson Bennett are not better than Cunningham, Thompson Robinson, Ward, and Anthony Richardson. Sorry. I know So on Cameron Ward, though, he has him at coming in at 23. Cameron Ward is a, another projection, like Anthony Richardson, because Cameron Ward's coming from Incarnate Word. He's coming from an FCS school, transferring up to a Pac-12 team in Washington State. Do I think his skill... The thing that helps him, though, Washington State and Incarnate Word, very pass-heavy programs. I know Mike Leach isn't in Washington State anymore, but I think that translates nicely with Cameron Ward's skill set. He's not the biggest guy in the world. He's not necessarily a, a, a shrimp either, but he's not the biggest dude. But he can sling the ball all over the field. Watch some Incarnate Word plays this year, or last year. You'll see what I'm talking about. 24, Jackson Dart. USC transfer now at Ole Miss. I think Jackson Dart will be really uh, I, I want to good at Ole Miss. I don't want to say really good. I think Jackson Dart's really talented. I think he's really talented. And uh, do I want to put him at 24? We'll see. Do I think, though, he is 11 rankings higher than the quarterback he was playing with at USC and Keaton Slovis? Keaton Slovis comes at 35. No, I don't think he's that much better than Keaton Slovis. I'm not sitting here and saying Keaton Slovis should be a top 10 quarterback. Like, Pro Football Focus had Keaton Slovis coming at 9. I Based off the past couple years, I don't know how you can rank him anywhere near the top 10. But I do understand, we've talked about this on the show before, he has had some shoulder issues pretty much stemming from that Iowa Bowl game in the Holiday Bowl. Keaton Slovis had a very good freshman season. And JT Daniels, of course, was like, I'm not transferring. His dad was like, oh, he's got a USC tattoo. He's not transferring. And then, like, the next day, transferred to Georgia. And then now he's at West Virginia. And he's not – JT Daniels isn't even on this list. And I think that's fair. I don't think JT Daniels is all that good. Never have. But people really like JT Daniels for some reason. But I don't think Jackson Dart is that much better at this point than Keaton Slovis is. Casey Thompson at 25 – uh, no, I, I don't think he's 20. I I don't know. But then, like, you got Quinn Ewers at 27, Blake Schappen at Baylor. Remember, he was – him and Jerry Bohannon were there, or Gary Bohannon, who, again, transferred to USF, who he has at number 47. But DJU, I think, is better than Casey Thompson. Like, if I was looking at these rankings, if I was looking at people outside the top 20 – or top 25 that I think could flip spots with people in the top 25, it's like – Anthony Richardson could switch with somebody with, let's go tune just so we can do one-for-ones. I think DJU could flip with Stetson Bennett. I think Jaron Hall at 34, I think that's a little harsh on Jaron. I I like Jaron Hall. BYU is an insanely tough team to play, but I understand why he's low because of the fact that BYU is independent. They don't really play the best schools, so I can understand to a certain extent. Like, you look at the top 25 – and pretty much the top 30, there is how many schools that have a quarterback that are one school outside the Power 5 conferences or two with Houston. I, I They're basically, they count. <laughs> but Coastal Carolina. But like BYU not really playing anybody. They have Frank Harris from Utah, U, U, geez, UTSA. I think he wears number zero. They lost Sincere McCormick, which should be interesting for their offense. Sincere McCormick, very talented running back. Tiny running back. But ran all over the place for UTSA. Baller. Peyton Thorne at 30. That feels really high. And we talked about this last year. Remember? We talked, we were ranking the Big Ten quarterbacks. And we were like, Peyton Thorne and Cade McNamara are battling for the second spot in the Big Ten. And it's not really how good they are. It's more of an indictment how bad the Big Ten is in regards to quarterbacks. That was last year. Before Aiden O'Connell played really well. Or well, well, well. 
And Aiden O'Connell, I think, is the second-best quarterback in the Big Ten. I think that's fair. 19, I think, is fair enough. But Peyton Thorne at 30. Cade McNamara at 36 is weird, especially since he's not even the guaranteed starter. So that's it's kind of hard for me to go, yeah, Cade McNamara definitely deserves, safely deserves a spot in the top 50 because he doesn't he's not guaranteed to start. You can't rank a guy that might not even play this year above people that are guaranteed. Like Spencer Sanders. Cade McNamara is not better than Spencer Sanders. I don't think that's true. I don't I don't think he's better than Tanner Mordecai from SMU. Tanner Mordecai benched Spencer Rattler against Texas two years ago, put up great numbers at SMU. Jake Hayner, again, I think he's better than Cade McNamara. Sean Clifford, I don't think he's him and Cade McNamara, I don't think deserve to be in the top ten, top fifty. Adrian Martinez, not really. I mean, he's transferred to Kansas State because I think his girlfriend's there or something, transferred to Nebraska. He's Finished his 25-year degree at Nebraska. Now he's going to Kansas State. But Jake Hayner, Tanner Mordecai, Spencer Sanders, they're all better than Cade McNamara, and they're all below him. Jordan Travis, I think, could be. I think potential-wise, Jordan Travis has one of the highest ceilings in the ACC. I don't want to, I want to go crazy here. Uh, Logan Boner <laughs> at Utah State, good quarterback. Tanner Morgan, top 50. Tanner Morgan... I kind of stopped considering Tanner Morgan a top quarterback after the year the year after they went really good, where they went like 11-2 and two or something. They got Haynes King from A&M. We brought him up earlier. Seth Hennigan from Memphis. Gary Bohan at USF. Bo Nix. I'm not the biggest Bo Nix fan, but is Bo Nix really worse than Tanner Morgan? Is Bo Nix really worse than Sean Clifford and Cade McNamara? I don't think so. I don't think he's much worse than those guys, especially he's at 48. Tanner Morgan's at 44. I don't think there's a I mean, that that's five spots, which and one value is not a lot. But that's a big gap for someone like Tanner Morgan. And then we got Jeff Sims at Georgia Tech, fair. I I well, I don't even know if Jeff Sims should be in the top 50. And then Tanner Tyler Butchner from Notre Dame. Yeah, it's his first real year as a starter. We saw him a little bit last year. Didn't really do a whole lot, but remember they were rotating. Like Jack Cohn would get randomly benched during games. Or not randomly, but he'd get pulled during games, and then Butchner and some of the other quarterbacks would come in and rotate. Like I don't remember. Who, I think it was against Cincinnati. We saw like three quarterbacks play. I think it was Cincinnati. I could be completely wrong. But, yeah, overall do I think this list is dog water? Not necessarily. Like there are things I would change. Yes, do I think Devin Leary is a top four quarterback in college football? No, I like Devin Leary, but at this point in time, do I think he's a top four quarterback? Do I think Malik Cunningham is the twenty first? Like if I was to, like just spitballing here, quarterbacks I would include. I'm just gonna go, not necessarily in my order, but I'm gonna give you my top twenty five quarterbacks, and it's just in this. Like if I'm going down the list, so if you remember the order of the list that we just said. I'm going to just go by the quarterback and say, yes, yes, yes. Like, do it like that. So now Bryce Young. i got to try and get my hands up so I can count. Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, Caleb Williams. Okay, this is weird because it – this is going to be weird. Okay, Devin Leary, yes, is in the top 25, not four. Hennon Hooker, Will Levis, Tyler Van Dyke, Sam Hartman, Cam Rising, Brennan Armstrong at 10 is ridiculous, but Brennan Armstrong – KJ, there's some I'm really questioning. So let's go. Let's go with the guarantees. Let's just do guarantees. Young, Stroud, Williams, Leary, Hooker, Levis, Van Dyke, Hartman, McCall, Gabriel. So that's ten right there. 
McKee, Rattler, Rogers, O'Donnell, Cunningham, Robinson, Cameron Ward, Anthony Richardson, DJU. We're at 19. That's the guaranteed ones. Uh, who have I not included? Did I include Cam Rising? You know, Brandon Armstrong can go in there. That's 20. KJ. KJ's a difficult one. We'll skip KJ for now. I, You know what? I'll throw Clayton Toon in there. I will throw him in there. I'm sorry for dis disrespecting you earlier. Slovis, I think, is up there. Again, this is not necessarily in my exact order, but I think these guys are the top 25 quarterbacks. Do I throw Jackson? I'll throw Jackson Dart in there. I think Jackson Dart is talented. I think Quinn Ewers is up there. That's a pr holy prediction. And then the last quarterback on here, Jake Hayner. I think it's probably Jake Hayner. Who he has at number 40. I think Jake Hayner is massively underrated in regards to this list. Jake Hayner is a really good quarterback. Do I think he's got a really big NFL future? No, not really. But he puts up really solid numbers. He's very consistent. I like Jake Hayner a lot. So just a recap, just to try to go as fast as possible. Young, Stroud, Williams, Leary, Hendon Hooker, Levis, Van Dyke, Hartman, Rising, Armstrong, did I say Yurkovic earlier? Yurkovic, McCall, Gabriel, McKee, Rattler, Rogers, O'Connell, Cunningham, DTR, Cameron Ward, Jackson Dart, Anthony Richardson, Quinn Ewers, DJU, and uh, Jake Hayner. I think those are the top. Was that 15 or is that 25? I don't even remember what it, how, how many we were at. <laughs> I don't know how many quarterbacks we named. We rattled them off so quickly that I can't even remember. But those, generally speaking, I, that's just off the top of my head or just going rattling off. And I would, if I made a comprehensive list, I think that'd be better, which we might have for you next Saturday, next Friday. I think that makes sense to preview college football entirely. But that's what we've got for the college football section. For you, I'm excited though. I am excited though. But like Northwestern Nebraska, though it's a meme game. I am excited to watch it because it is college football. And same thing with Vanderbilt, Hawaii. I am excited to watch it, though it is a, very much a meme game. But, like, pro football focus, they did sim something similar. Like, they had – so he had Devin Leary at four. They have him at 12. I think that's more fair for Devin Leary. Clayton Toon at 13. Tua Lea Tagovailoa at 11. It's a little ridiculous. Um, Jaron Hall, they have him at 17. Tanner Mordecai at 20. Jake Hayner at 21. They have the LSU Tigers. They have three quarterbacks for the LSU Tigers at 22. Hendon Hooker at 23. Cam Rising, 24. Chance Nolan at 25. Michael Penix. I forgot that dude existed. I think uh, I think at his peak, he's a top 20, top 50 quarterback. Not top 25. I like to correct myself. Top 20. Top 50. Good Lord. Anthony Richardson. Bo Nix. Stetson Bennett at 34. Yeah, I think that's more more down there for him. JT Daniels at 40. Jane Delora from Arizona on here. Arizona's bad. But uh he's he's pretty decent. He's a decent quarterback. Connor Bazalik from <laughs> from Indiana, transferring Missouri, transferring the very off Michael Penix from last year. Tyler Show from Texas Tech. They have him on here in Grant Wells. For Virginia Tech. So different styles of quarterbacks in here, but I think they this is the one I was talking about, though, where they had Rattler at three. 
Stroud at four. Rattler's just hard to cheer for. I think that's the main problem here. But their top fives, Bryce Young, Caleb Williams, Spencer Rattler, C.J. Stroud, and Sam Hartman. The list that we just read was Young, Stroud, Williams, Leary, and Hooker. And Hooker, Leary's at 12, and Hooker is all the way down at 23 for them. My top five reads Young, Stroud, Williams, then... Who do I want to throw at number four? This is my officially official rankings. Like we said, this is what we talked about before. That can make a solid argument that Sam Hartman is better than Devin Leary. And they have him at five, and they had Sam Hartman at eight. I think Sam Hartman and Devin Leary are both top ten quarterbacks. Not necessarily top five, though. Do I put... Where do you have Levis? Uh, Okay, I'm not seeing Will Levis on this list for Pro Football Focus. At 19, I think that's a little bit harsh. I think that's really harsh on him. But I would probably, I mean, do I just keep it consistent with my quarterback range for the draft, Levis and then Tyler Van Dyke? I think Levis needs to show, I, Levis is projection for the draft. Like if I want to do like just specific, specifically college quarterback, Sam Hartman and Grace McCall would probably be up there. Do I think I think Grace McCall has a better chance of being an NFL quarterback than Hartman does at this point? But you know, there's a lot of factors that go in. They had Dylan Gabriel at eight. They had Dylan the other list had Dylan Gabriel at fourteen. So yeah, different different strokes for different folks, people. It's college football, it's quarterbacks, you know, the most controversial, most talked about position in the entire world of sport. Not not the when I'm talking about world, I'm talking about the United States. Like we talk about world championships or Super Bowls. World Series, all that stuff. We are the world. We are the world. <laughs> Bang in tune, by the way. Bang in tune. Uh, Jordan Reed, speaking of the quarterbacks, he had a mock draft pop up today. Uh, he's one, of, Like we said a few weeks ago, him and Matt Miller are kind of the B team to Todd McShay and Mel Kuyper for ESPN. But he had uh, CJ Stroud going three to the Texans. Bryce Young going five to the Falcons. Then he had Will Levis going to the Lions at eight. Anthony Richardson to the Giants at 10. And then he had Tyler Van Dyke in here somewhere, but I don't remember where he was. And I think those were the five that he had. I think that's pretty much consensus at this point. 24 to Seattle. And I think those are the only five that you're looking at for the first round this year anyways. Do I, for the destinations, uh, Texans, yeah, we talked about that the last show, that I think they'll be in the market for a quarterback. Davis Mills, they do not, they have faith in him. But this is a similar situation to the Jaguars having faith in Gardner Minshew. They do for this season. They don't want to go into a season going, we have no faith in this quarterback. We got to hype him up a little bit. But best believe we're going to be terrible and we're going to draft either Young or Stroud. That's it. Those are the two guys right now. Falcons, Young, I think makes sense on a couple things. Just because, you know, you have a chance to draft this generational talent in Bryce Young, you might as well try to, you might as well get him. If he's available, do I think he'll be available by five? No, I don't. But, you know, crazier things have happened. But I think the Falcons with Desmond Ritter, I like Desmond Ritter. I think Desmond Ritter fits what Arthur Smith wants to do. He's a bigger-bodied quarterback. Him and Mariota very similar in regards to skill set and size. I think that's purposely done for the Falcons. 
I think they could give Ritter a, t- a time at quarterback, and I think if the Falcons are in the top three, I think we're looking at defensive players because their defense reeks. They have no weapons, and their defense stinks, apart from A.J. Terrell. Again, D'Angelo Malone, Arnold Ibiketti, I like the picks, but you still got to improve the defense. Giants, yeah, I think Giants. I think they're guaranteed to draft a quarterback. I don't care who it is. They're they're starting Tyrod at certain points. They're drafting quarterback. I I think I've been on Daniel Jones as somewhat like I don't want to I don't I want to be careful because I'm not a Daniel Jones fan. I I'll say that. I do believe though Daniel Jones does have some talent in there. I don't think that's crazy to say. I think we've seen it in very minimal flashes, but I do think there is something in there. I just don't think he'll ever bring it out at this point in time. With them announcing Tyrod's taking reps with the ones, I don't care if that's not a quote-unquote indictment on Daniel Jones. It is. Dable, you can say that all you want. It is. And I like Brian Dable. I love Brian Dable. Love what he did with the Bills. But, Brian, we know that's BS. If Tyrod's running ones, Tyrod ain't going to give that back. Tyrod's a competitive SOB. The only reason he wasn't starting in L.A. is because he got his lungs punctured. I don't even know if he really got hurt against the Browns last year when he was with the Texans. The Texans won their first game, and then Tyrod played really well in the first half, and then he's just hurt at halftime. And he's done. And now we got Dave, Davis Mills coming in. Because we know Tyrod's not going to lose games. He's not going to win you any, but he ain't going to lose you any games. He's going to keep you competitive in all games, which is not what the Texans won, especially when you're trying to tank like the Texans were. Lions, yeah, I think they're in the quarterback market. Jared Goff, I think after this year, will have one more year on his contract. And I think the Lions do like Jared Goff. I they had they had multiple opportunities to draft a quarterback they were supposedly really liked in the form of Malik Willis. So I, you know, they're gonna be in the market. I think next year just fits more for the Lions in regards to Goff's on his last year. Get a quarterback in. Get your guy what you think it could be, and I think Levis could be that guy for Detroit. Big dude, run the ball very well. Physical guy, kind of the Dan Campbell-esque quarterback. And then Seattle, yeah, they're going to draft a quarterback. Regardless if it's in the top five or top in the 20s, because they got two picks from the Russell Wilson trade. So, like, we talked about two Wednesday. Jimmy Garoppolo is a viable option for the Seahawks for the here and now. It ain't for the long term. Neither are Drew Locke or Geno Smith. So, Seattle needs to think about the long-term goal at quarterback, regardless if it's Jimmy G... Locke or Smith for the short term, Richardson, Van Dyke, Levis, Young, Stroud, those are the guys you're looking for in this draft. Maybe there's a guy later in the draft that you like. Maybe there's a guy in the second round you like. But the Seahawks, I think, at some point will actually move for a quarterback. I don't think Jacob Easton's that either. So they they have Jacob Easton on the roster. That ain't it either. So I think they'll move for someone like one of those guys. Possibly. 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 But he has Will Anderson going number one. That's probably the least. That's the heavy favorite at this point in time to get drafted first overall. And he has the Jets picking first overall. I don't know if the Jets will pick first. I think the first overall picks between the Texans and Falcons. But that's another story. And with if it's the Falcons, that is very intriguing. If it's a quarterback or an edge rusher, very intriguing. Or Jalen Carter from Georgia. Maybe they go that route as well. He has going number two to the Bears. So maybe they go that direction. There's a lot. There's some good players in this draft. I like this draft. This draft's going to be fun. But remember, this point last year, Spencer Rattler and Sam Howell were quarterbacks one and two. No one was saying Kenny Pig was a first-rounder. People liked Malik Willis, but like it was Rattler and Howell, or Howell and Rattler, however you wanted it. Howell got drafted in the fifth round. Rattler went back and transferred to South Carolina. So 
things can crazy things can happen over the course of a season. People's stocks can go up. People's stocks can crash down to earth. Like Kenny Pickett, first round draft pick at this point last year was seen as ridiculous, and now we're seeing him start possibly week one for the Steelers. No one would have thought he'd be a quarterback in the NFL, regardless of starting week one his rookie year. Potentially, I think he's got the best chance out of all the rookie quarterbacks to do that, but I digress. But speaking of week one of the NFL season, there was a, so we got, we are what, about two weeks, we're two weeks exactly from the start of the NFL season. Two weeks exactly. And I haven't done this in a little bit, and we're not doing Top 5 Friday. I apologize for that, but we're not doing Top 5 Friday. We're going to bring that back next week if you want to. But I wanted to do this because I haven't done one of these in a little bit. It's a sporkle quiz. And this is 2016 NFL opening day quarterbacks. This is the year I graduated high school. So I was starting my freshman year at William Penn by the time this NFL season was starting. At the point of this season, I was in... We were getting ready for the season. Uh, No, we were already a game in probably. Who we play first my freshman year? We play Baker first my freshman year? I think we started off the season with Baker and then uh, Missouri Valley or Mid-Am Naz, I think. I could be very, very wrong about that, but I think Baker was the team that we started off with. But So this could be this could be very good for me. And I would, I would just like to re- ref- make sure I point this out. This isn't just starters. I think I could rattle off starters relatively fast. I think I can get all the starters from this year in a minute. Or two, not, not a minute, two minutes. I want, to stri- I want to give myself a little more time. Because I've been cocky like that before and haven't been able to do it. I mean, I've gotten the quizzes done, but not in the time frame. Like, I'll get this done in a minute and it'll be like a minute 30. Which isn't too far off, but I can give myself the two minutes and then I'm 30 seconds over. Or 30 seconds less than what I, my thing was. But this is crazy things in the NFL back then. Completely different times. But there's 92 quarterbacks on here. I've got 12 minutes to get this done. I'm not saying we're going to sit here for the full 12 minutes because there's a point where I will get where I just completely forget every quarterback that ever existed. Like a few months ago we were doing this, and I completely forgot about the 85 Bears, one of the most famous Super Bowl teams of all time. And I just could, Jim McMahon just completely erased my memory. I could not think of it to save my life. I was pissed about that. But here we go. 92 quarterbacks, 2016 NFL opening day quarterbacks, every quarterback from the rosters. 12 minutes, timer starts now. So we'll start off with the Bills. Tyrod Taylor was one of them. We had EJ Manuel and Matt Castle was the other one. No, it wasn't. Who was the other quarterback that time? Who was the other quarterback? There was one more guy. Was it Cardell Jones? It was Cardell Jones. Dolphins. So Matt Cass was on the Titans on that time, but we can go Marcus Mariota. We know he was there at the time. Was Blaine Gabbert there at the time? He was not. Was he on the 49ers? He was on the 49ers. Was Kaepernick on the 49ers? Yes, he was. Was Brian Hoyer? He was a Bears quarterback at the time. So Jay Cutler was also there. McCown? Josh McCown was on the Browns. That was RG3. And then who else was there? Because that was when they went 0-16. Or 1-15. They beat the Chargers. Who was the other quarterback for the Browns? I, I, we got to stay. Tannehill was on the Titans. Tannehill, Ryan Tannehill. Patriots was Tom Brady. We know that. We got Garoppolo as well. We can go Brissett. So we got the Patriots done. That's probably the easiest one because all three of them are going to start week one. Uh, two of them are going to start week one. There was a time where all three of them started week one together. But Jets, Fitzpatrick, we know that one. 
That one's one of the main ones. Ravens, that was Flacco. I want to get the starters done first. Bengals was Dalton. Steelers was Roethlisberger. Got to make sure I spell that right. Texans was Schaub. No. Was this 21 Tom Savage? I don't know if he was a starter. He was the starter when Deshaun Watson got drafted, but that was in 2017. Who else would have been the quarterback? Was it Osweiler? It was Brock Osweiler. Then we got the Colts, Andrew Luck, who was, we just had the four-year anniversary of him retiring, which is still weird. Jaguars, Bortles, the boat, Broncos. Is that Simeon? Simeon? I don't know how to spell Simeon. It was Simeon was one of them. Was Manning there? No. I, so it was Trevor Simeon there. Chiefs was Alex Smith. Raiders was Derek Carr. Chargers was Phillip Rivers. Cowboys was Romo? Yeah. Eagles was Manning. Or Giants was Manning. Eagles was Wentz. Redskins at the time. Commanders now. Cousins. Lions, Stafford. Packers. Rodgers. Vikings. Not Ponder. I almost typed Christian Ponder. Bridgewater. And then we can put in Bradford as well. Because he got traded for a first-round draft pick from the Eagles to the Vikings. That is that is crazy. Falcons is Matt Ryan. Panthers is Newton. Saints is Breeze. Buccaneers, Winston. Cardinals, Palmer. Rams, Goff. Then they also had, who was number 14? Mannion. And then they had one more because Mannion didn't start. Was it Keenum? It was Keenum. 49ers, we already got Kaepernick and Gabbert. Seahawks was Wilson. Then we can go Smith. Wait, what? Who else was the backup for the, the Seahawks? Was it Traveris Jackson? No. Okay, so we got 42 out of 92 at this point in time. Now we got to try and remember backup quarterbacks, which is, oh, Geno Smith is on the, the Jets. Huh, Browns. I know, because I remember watching them that season. This is when they went 115. They beat the Chargers to go with their one win. Made a last-second field goal to win. Who was the Chargers back? Was it Charlie Whitehurst, Phillip Rivers' backup? I don't know how to spell Whitehurst. So I don't think, it wasn't Charlie Whitehurst. Then they had, who else was there? Clemens? Kellen Clemens? It was Kellen Clemens. Raiders. Who all did the Raiders have? They had Connor Cook, Matt McGloin, Chiefs, Alex Smith. Brady Quinn wasn't there at the time, yeah. Um, 2016, who all would the Chiefs have had? Castle's on the Titans at the time. Giants, who was Eli's backups? David Carr. Oh, I would have already had Carr. Cowboys. Wow, this is pissing me off now. I'm I'm blanking hard. Skelton? John Skelton? John Skelton started for the Cardinals at some point. Russell Will, I guess not opening day. Not opening day. Charlie Whitehurst has to be on here. I refuse to believe Charlie Whitehurst is not on here for the Seahawks and Chargers. We got 52. Who is Andrew Lux back? Tolzine. Scott Tolzine. Because he started, I think he, he might have started opening day that year. Because there was a stretch. They've had like five different quarterbacks to start the season or something, four or five straight seasons with a different starting quarterback. 
who else are we missing? We got 53 out of 92. I don't want to give up, but I also don't want to waste time and just pretty much just BS my entire way through this. Packers. Who else did the Packers have behind Rodgers? Brett Hundley? Was he there? He was. Vikings. Who was that? Was it Drew Stanton? Where's Drew Stanton? Drew Stanton was on the Cardinals. The Cowboys one is kind of frustrating to me. Same with the Broncos one. Simeon. Simeon, Simeon, Simeon. We already got Case Keenum done. Foles. Nick Foles. He was on the Chiefs. I forgot he was on the Chiefs. I was going to guess he was on the Eagles at that time. But remember, he was kind of bouncing around a little bit. They went back to the Eagles after the Chiefs. Because he had that really, it was like 27 touchdowns, two picks his first year starting with the Eagles. And then everything was downhill. And then he won a Super Bowl just out of freaking nowhere. Lions, though. Oh, my God. Six, 56 out of 92. I would like to get to at least 60. we got five minutes and 30 seconds left in this. Dolphins, Jets, and there's probably some people that are like, oh, we obviously know who this is. I don't. I'm completely Dennis Dixon. <laughs> who else was on the Ravens at the time? Did I get Matt Schaub? I feel like Schaub was a backup. Was he the Falcons backup at the time? Yeah. I just feel like he was a Ravens guy, right? Matt Flynn? He had to be somewhere. He wasn't anywhere. The Ravens. Who was on the Ravens? Tyrod just left. This is Tyrod's first offseason with the Bills. Because I remember this offseason because I told my dad he would start when they signed him. Because this was, they had EJ and freaking Matt Castle. And they cut Matt Castle. Drafted Cardell Jones. They wanted Dak Pre... Not this year. They wanted, yeah, 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 yeah. Dak Prescott. This is Dak when he won Rookie of the Year. Man, getting on a different subject and then just going, yeah, oh, yeah, they wanted Dak Prescott. They did want Dak Prescott. And the Cowboys took him and said, Cardell Jones instead. How that would have worked out differently, I don't know. Because Dak got his start because Tony got hurt. Tyrod wasn't getting hurt. So that was the that would have been the issue there with Dak and his NFL future if he was drafted by the Bills. Bengals, though. John Kitna, not John Kitna. McCarron, AJ McCarron. Who else did they have? Brandon Allen. Yeah, okay. He got drafted by the Jaguars. Draft, he was, I think he was like a sixth round draft pick, right? Who else did the Jags have? Minshew wasn't on the team already, was he? No, no. Chad Henney was somewhere. Yeah, he was on the Jaguars. Sorry, I had to, to cleanse my pal a little bit. Okay, we got to 60. We got three minutes and 38 seconds left. Eagles. Kevin Cobb. And There's no way it's Kevin Cobb. Who else was on the Eagles at that time? Vince Young. This wasn't the Vince Young Super Team Eagles. Was Michael Vick on the Steelers at this time? No. Steelers or Jets? Um, who else do we got on here that we are completely, completely ignoring? There's got to be somebody that I'm just, there's a bunch of people that I'm going to be really upset when this thing closes off. Fails? Um, because we already got Foles. Fails, David Fails, or Nick, what was his name? Fails. David Fails? Played for the Dolphins for a little bit. Matt Moore. Matt Moore has to be on here. Kel okay, Kellen Moore. Is not, that's not the quarterback we were looking for, but we're looking for Matt Moore. Where is Matt Moore? Matt Moore was in the league at this time. 
I know Matt Moore was in the league because he was back up to Patrick Mahomes for a little bit. Unless I'm completely missing where he is. They put Kellen Moore on there. Matt Moore was in the league. And now it's bothering me. Where's the Panthers? Clawson. Was Jimmy Clawson there? No. But we got freaking... Wow, what's his name? Barkley. Matt Barkley. He's probably on the Bears. Wait, what? Matt Barkley was on a... Hmm, okay. Keenan, I can just go through the back of quarterbacks in the league right now. So we've got Dolphins. Two of his backups, Teddy. We already got him on there. We've got Brian Hoyer. Then Jets, Flacco. Mike White. <laughs> Bills is Barkley and Keenum. Barkley obviously is not in your two minutes left. Ravens, Tyler Huntley. No. Steelers, Trubisky. No, he was drafted in 2017. Rudolph. No. Okay. Um, Browns? No. Well, Josh Dobbs? Was he in here? Steelers? Bengals? No. Brandon, we already got Brandon Allen on here. Then we go to the AFC West. Derek Carr's backup is not Mariota anymore. It's Stidham. Is Jarrett Stidham in here? No. Jarrett Stidham. And Mullins, Nick Mullins. We got a minute fifteen left. We got sixty-two. Chad Henney, we already got him. Chargers backup is Chase Daniel. He was the Eagles backup. I guess I didn't even realize that. Broncos, they've got Russell Wilson, Jeff Driss. No, isn't Jeff Driscoll's not gonna be in here, but Oh he is! He was on the Bengals. Oh, nice. Then we got the ASC South, Jaguars. Bethard, the Bethard. No, they went undefeated the sixteen and that twenty sixteen. Who else? Forty two seconds left. I got sixty four to ninety two. Colts, Matt Ryan, Nick Foles. Then we've got Texans, Davis. They got nobody on their roster. Titans, Tannehill, Willis. Okay, NFC. Simeon. And then we've got I got 19 seconds left. I just want one more. Give me something. Wofford. I don't know. Allen. We've already got an Allen in here. Three, two. Well, okay, I can't get anything else. I got 64 to 92. I got 70%. Brandon Dowdy for the Dolphins. Okay. Okay, Matt Moore's on the Dolphins. Christian Hackenberg and Bryce Petty. Yeah, okay, Hackenberg was a really weird second-round draft pick. Ryan Mallett. Completely forgot about Ryan Mallett. Cody Kessler. I liked Cody Kessler in college. Should have got that. Zach Mettenberger from LSU. I did not know he played for the Steelers. I only remember him as a Titan. Bruce Gregkowski. Brandon Whedon was on the Texans. Did not even remember that. Alex Tanney wouldn't have got that in 100 years. Paxton Lynch. Austin Davis. Remember when Austin Davis went like off for about two weeks with the Rams. Remember that? I was really weird. I was in high school at that time. It was very, they were still in St. Louis. Austin Davis. Wow. And I say off. He went, he did well for about two weeks. Paxton Lynch. Yeah. First round draft pick. Tyler Bray from Tennessee for the Chiefs. Mark Sanchez is on the Cowboys. Completely forgot about that. Josh Johnson, Ryan Nassib. Ryan Nassib makes, I should have remembered that because, uh, Oh, crap. What was his name? Um, wow. The Jaguars coach. The one that just got fired last year. Not Urban Meyer. Dickhead. What's his name? 
Doug Marone. When Marone was the coach of the Bills, when he took the head coaching job of the Bills, Ryan Nassib was his quarterback at Syracuse. So when he took the job in Buffalo, a lot of people were expecting him to take Ryan Nassib with him. And Ryan Nassib ended up going to the Giants instead. So I, I probably should have remembered that at the time because I was a weird – I do remember that draft watching Ryan Nassib. I do remember a lot of people wanted Ryan Nassib on there, and I'm already forgetting. Was Mike Glennon on here? Yep, completely forgot about him. Speaking of Ryan Nassib, because the Bills – a lot of – Jim Kelly liked himself some Mike Glennon too. So that was another Bills guy. Almost Bills guy. Then Josh Johnson on the Giants, one of his 17 teams. Colt McCoy on Washington with Nate Sudfeld. I did not know Nate Sudfeld's been in the league that long. I had not known Nate Sudfeld's been in here since 2016. I sure as hell didn't know he was on Washington. Connor Shaw with the Bears. Totally forgot he existed. Bald dude from South Carolina. Did not know he was even on a, Couldn't even remember he was on a roster. Dan Orlovsky. I didn't think Dan Orlovsky played this long. I didn't think he lasted until 2016. I know he had a like a decent career. I didn't... I, I completely ruled him out because I didn't think he played that long. Joe Callahan would not have gotten that. Taylor Heineke on the Vikings. Forgot about that. Sean Hill... Okay, I, Taylor Heineke, I just didn't think he did the league, was in the league that long. Derek Anderson for the Panthers, yeah, I should have got that one because he was been the backer for the Panthers for about five years, and then he retired, and the Bills called him up in Josh Allen's rookie year in 2018 to play it when he was fresh off the golf course. So I should have gotten that one. Joe Webb, yeah, I remember him mainly for starting when Brett Favre got hurt. It was like the first game Brett Favre missed. Mike Glenn, we talked about that. Thad Lewis, I almost brought him up when we were talking about Austin Davis earlier. Because Thad Lewis was one of those other quarterbacks that had a randomly good like two weeks where the Bills. And then I remember picking him up in fantasy that year. Not to start him, but just to say I had him on the roster. And because EJ got hurt against the Browns, I think. EJ Manuel got hurt against the Browns. Thad Lewis came in and played well. And then we had the quarterback controversy with Kyle Orton coming in the next year. And then he was eventually, EJ was just done when Tyrod came in. And then Christian Ponder, I, I literally said, that I we talk, I said this during the quiz. I'm ruling out Ponder. Because I didn't think Ponder played this long either. I thought Ponder was done. I completely forgot he even played for the Niners. And then Trevon Boykin from TCU. Completely forgot he played for the Seahawks. Completely forgot he played for the Seahawks. But good college quarterback. Good college quarterback. But am I happy with 64 to 92? No, but I'm not too upset either. Like I'm not happy with it. I should have definitely gotten Cody Kessler. I should have gotten Paxton Lynch. I should have gotten Ryan Nassib. I should have gotten uh, Mike Glennon. I should have gotten Orlovsky and Ponder, but I completely ruled them out. And I should have gotten Anderson. So I should have gotten like six or seven more right, which would have put my score total at what, 71 out of 92? I would much rather have that than a 64. I'm not, I would definitely not have gotten a 92. There, I should have probably gotten Hackenberg or Petty, just because I remember Hackenberg getting drafted the second round pick was like, what the hell are they doing? What the hell kind of move is that? He never, he might have played like three games for the Jets. Might have. I don't even know if that's accurate. I could be very wrong about that as well. <laughs> I don't know how many games he played for the Jets. It wasn't a lot. But he was supposed to be the, the future of the franchise. Second round draft pick. When you draft a quarterback in the second round, you're saying this guy's going to be a starter. Like Derek Carr was drafted in the second round. Andy Dalton was drafted in the second round. There's a lot of good quarterbacks throughout history. Boomer Sison, Randall Cunningham, drafted in the second round. Like, there's good quarterbacks that could draft in the second round. You start people, – people start in the NFL when you're a second-round draft pick. Most of the time, there's obviously players like Christian Hackenberg where that does not end up being the case. Jimmy Garoppolo, second-round draft pick. Is there anybody else on here that's a second-round draft pick? <laughs> I could use an example. I think Colin Kaepernick was a second-round draft pick. 
yeah, second-round draft picks usually are guys like – like the Bengals came out of the draft one year with A.J. Green and Andy Dalton. That was a pretty good draft for them. Pretty good draft. You get a number one wideout and your your number one quarterback who, though they didn't win a playoff game, did put up – some did create some nice, decent enough memories for Bengals fans in Cincinnati. And uh, before we end today's show, it's a little longer, a little longer. I expected it to be longer, though, so I, I, I didn't say it beforehand, but I did expect it to be longer. This has been popping up recently. We, we have talked about this quite a bit. About, like, you know, Tyreek Hill and his recent uh, mishaps, I guess. And when I say mishaps, it's nothing like, oh, he got arrested or he did something bad or illegal or anything like that. No, he just said Tua was better at anything than Patrick Mahomes. Better at anything than Patrick Mahomes. That is ridiculous. I don't care if it's most accurate. And the Dolphins are putting out all... We talked about this Wednesday. The propaganda around Tua is starting to frustrate the hell out of me. I don't know how this could happen this openly like this. Like, McDaniel's going out and saying it. Tyreek Hill's going out and saying it. Tua's sitting in the middle of the field just doing random shit just for cameras. Like, I saw a tweet today. The Dolphins are bragging about Tua hitting the center of the bowl when he throws up. Like, he's just so accurate. Everything he does is deadly accurate. It's getting frustrating. And I really have no general issues with Tua. I just don't like how he's being portrayed as he's this amazing quarterback when he's just some average enough quarterback in the NFL. He could be good. I expect his numbers to be better. Like, I saw someone on ESPN's like, I expect Tua's numbers to be up. Well, yeah, he's got Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle out wide with Mike Gusecki tight end. Off the line, they got freaking um, Armstead from the Saints. So the off the line's improved. They're going to run the ball more. They got Raheem Mostert at running back. Chase Edmonds at running back. So they got decent enough running backs for the time being. His numbers are going to be better than what they were last year. Or what they've been. Like, he has, I think, one third. Like his numbers, like, at 30-yard completions or something, are less than what Josh, his first career are less than what Josh Allen had in the postseason this year. So, like, it's... I'm not a massive Tua fan in the NFL. I think he's, all for all, all things considered, a good person. But as we've said in the past, I don't care how good of a person you are. When I bash you as a quarterback, that's not saying this guy sucks as a person. We said the same thing about Petrus last year. Like people take it so personally when they bash a quarterback for what they do. Like you can bash me for what I do. Doesn't make me a shitty person. Doesn't make them a shitty person. Just because there's other people that are better than him at this spot. But that being said, there's a guy that too has been compared to in Patrick Mahomes that has been catching shots all offseason for whatever reason. This is a guy that has been to four straight AFC Championship games. Four straight. Four. Okay, let's just put this four. And he's hosted all four of them. Four straight division titles. Four straight 12-win seasons. In his first four years of starter, with his first season as a starter winning the MVP, throwing 50 touchdowns. And somehow, like I bash Patrick Mahomes every once in a while just because he's a Chiefs, he's a Chief, the quarterback of the Chiefs, and I don't like the Chiefs. But I'm not stupid enough to say that anybody realistically outside of Allen and Rodgers has anything close to Patrick Mahomes. Like, I remember seeing the early in this offseason. Acho, Patrick Mahomes is not a top five quarterback. He listed Allen, Herbert, Stafford, Rodgers, and Burrow. Stafford in the top five is ridiculous. That's stupid. Herbert at two is kind of crazy. I think Herbert has every case to be in a number five, but he ain't number two. And Mahomes not being in the top five at all is just stupid. And then we had, uh, we love Mahomes because of his unorthodox throws, not because of his natural pocket presence. 
voter said. And when it dis- that disappears, that was why they lose games. I don't think it's a that it is a one. I think it is a two. Nothing against the guy. I love the kid. But take his first read away, and what does he do? He runs, he scrambles, he plays street ball. And then we read the statistics before that he leads the league in out-of-pocket throws or something like that. Or out-of-pocket throws from outside the pocket. Throws off balance and stuff like that. Stupid take there as well. Then we have Tyreek Hill. As far as accuracy-wise, I'm going to go to with Tua all day. That's bullshit as well. And the final one from freaking Sammy Watkins, I think that Pat is incredibly good, but A-Rod is on a whole nother level. No. They're not miles apart. At this point in time, Mahomes and Rodgers are not... What is it? What is the quote? Is on another level. So what? Another level is number one versus number two? Like, what? The whole another level thing is insane. That... That is saying there's a massive gap between Rodgers and Holmes, which at this point, there's not. I'm not saying they're whole careers. I'm saying at this present day, on what they are as quarterbacks, Mahomes and Rodgers are not levels apart. They are on the same level. Again, we have brought up the same three. Mahomes, Rodgers, Allen. Those are the three. That's it. No one gets into that top three. No one. I don't care how much you like anybody else. Burrow, Herbert, Brady, Stafford. None of those guys get in there. Rodgers on a whole other different level than Mahomes. That is just crazy talk. I think at this point in time, I mean, Rodgers back-to-back MVP. Yes, fair. But that does not mean that he is a whole nother level than Patrick Mahomes. I don't know why this dude's catching so much shit this year. Like I make fun of Mahomes all the time. Because, again, he's the Chiefs quarterback. But I'm not going to the levels of saying that Rodgers craps on Mahomes at this current state, that Tua is better at anything than Patrick Mahomes. Like Even Rodgers caught flack with Derek Carr, Hall of Famer, <laughs> going from one Hall of Famer to another, which is just crazy in its own right. But man, and then Lamar caught flack earlier this offseason as well. Remember the Lamar thing with Lamar being a, he could win, what did they say, 12 MVPs? and you'll never see him as a number one quarterback or something like that. It was something crazy. Some insane number of MVPs, and you're still never going to see him as a number one guy. When the record for MVPs, I think, is five, and he's going to win 12, and he's not even going to be the – t- he's the greatest football player of all time if he wins 12 MVPs. So, But uh, James White, who recently just retired for the New England Patriots, said, I think he should be the highest-paid quarterback in the NFL. I think he will be. I think when, when you look at – regardless of what you think of Lamar Jackson, you think he's inconsistent as a thrower – you think he's a, which is the most annoying quote unquote joke on the internet, is that he's a running back. That joke's not, it was not funny to begin with, and now it's even getting less funny as the years go on. Like I saw something today, it was a tier list of quarterbacks, and he was on the bottom and said that he's a running back. Like, what the hell? That, that was never funny. If you found that funny, I'm sorry, you just got a dead sense of humor. Like, I don't really find jokes around like certain NFL quarterbacks hilarious. There's some that are like Josh Rosen having. Three different teams as his Twitter is hilarious. But calling Lamar Jackson a running back isn't really that funny. I don't really have a general issue with it. I think Lamar Jackson is not a run. I mean, is it crazy to think I think say I think Lamar Jackson's a really good quarterback? Is it crazy for me to say that? Cause at this present time, it feels like people are seeing it crazy that Lamar Jackson, who was the second ever unanimous MVP in NFL history, went 14 and 2. Has I don't really want to credit the uh, records and wins are you know a lot of team based so I don't really want to put that all on Lamar Jackson but he does have a lot of wins at this point in his career and Lamar Jackson like we've talked about before 
does something that no one else in the NFL, James White said he's one of one. There's no one else. And I agree with that to a certain extent. There's no one else in the NFL that can do what Lamar Jackson does. For however inconsistent you think he is throwing the football, no one does anything close to what he does running the ball. Not one person. Like, Josh Allen has more rushing touchdowns than him. Josh Allen's more physical than him, but he cannot move like Lamar Jackson. The only quarterback that compares to Lamar Jackson in regards to running ability is Kyler Murray. But he's not as big as Lamar. For how big Lamar is, he's about six foot three, 200-something pounds. He can fly. He might be the fastest player in the NFL at the quarterback position. So, yes, I think when his contract, when he signs the contract, it'll be the richest contract in the NFL. I said that a couple weeks ago, especially when Kyler Murray signed. And it's not anything like, do I think Lamar's the best quarterback in the NFL? No, but that's what the market dictates. When you have quarterbacks that sign these massive contracts, the next quarterback up resets the market. The next player resets the market. So you have someone sign this massive contract and that goes, okay, well, we got to do this, we got to do this, we got to do this, we got to do this. And it just keeps going up. It's the value to the team, the value of the player to the team. It's not necessarily how the league or the, the fans view this player. That's how the team values him. Whatever they're willing to pay, maybe it's stupid not to sign it. You're going to make them the highest paid quarterback in the NFL. I don't really think there's that big of a, should be that massive a reaction, but I know there's some stupid people on Instagram and Twitter that are just going to go, oh, the highest paid running back in the NFL is the highest paid player in NFL history. It's going to be some stupid thing. But Lamar is the lead. Do I think he's the best quarterback in the NFL? No, I don't. At the time, yes. When he won the MVP, yeah, he was the best player in the NFL. But he's battled some injuries. He has had no wide receivers. He had Mark Andrews. Ronnie Stanley can't stay healthy. He had no running backs last year. And somehow still, and he played, I think, how many games did he end up playing last year? He didn't play a lot of them. But you saw what happened when he was out. Like the Ravens without Lamar Jackson are not the same team. They went 8-9 and last year. And Lamar was not playing his greatest football of all time. But there are things he does with the football that no one else can do. And that's why I think he should be and ultimately will be the highest paid player in NFL history when his contract is signed. Because Kyler Murray changed that market. Like Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes set a market high. Mahomes set a market with a $500 million contract. And now Lamar Jackson's turn to reset the market. That's just how it works. Like it or not, that's just how it works. And with that being said, that's all I've got for you today. I really hope you enjoyed today's episode of The Logan Blattman Show. Again, make sure you follow The Logan Blattman Show on every single form of social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and, of course, Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Leave a rating out of five stars on both. Leave a description down below on as of why you think the way you do. And I hope you enjoyed it. If you did not enjoy the show, I, again, I will always apologize for that. I think the show is a massive upgrade on the show that we did on Wednesday. I just feel back. I feel a lot better than what I did Wednesday. So you know what? I hope you enjoy your weekend. Enjoy some college football. And make sure, though, if you've made it this far on the show, I'll be broadcasting the Cedar Falls Tigers football game. They're playing the Johnson Dragons, my high school. I'll be broadcasting for the Cedar Falls Tigers. So make sure you tune into that game. I'll post details on my social media accounts if you want to listen to the live stream for that. And with that being said, enjoy your weekend. I will see you all later. Peace.